episode 42 of the Energy Edge podcast. Hey guys, this is Alan Stein, a veteran performance coach and executive leadership coach, and you're listening to the Energy Edge podcast. I know a thing or two about energy and success, so I encourage you to keep listening and get your energy edge on. Welcome to the Energy Edge podcast, where we believe if you desire to get the absolute most out of your work and life, then finding your energy edge is a must. The Energy Edge podcast will help you learn to leverage your everyday major activities into an energy advantage so you can work and live at an optimal level. So let's begin. The Energy Edge podcast is sponsored by 5-Minute Energy Kickstart. There's been so much positive feedback from this free video series that challenges and enables you to kickstart your energy. Go to 5MinuteEnergyKickstart.com today. And I'm your host, Brian Paul Buckley, and today we'll be talking with Marcy Rader. She's a professional speaker and founder of the Work Well Play More Institute and one of my mentors. Now, Marcy is not only a business traveler, but writes and speaks to business travelers, well, my kind of people. I ironically found her by reading her latest book, Beyond Travel, which is a must read for any business traveler. You'll hear a conversation about productivity, life on the road, and ultimately choosing a healthy lifestyle no matter where you are. I'm a huge fan of Marcy, so this was a true honor to interview her. And for the record, she's also a lot of fun. It's good. Marcy Rader, not like the others. Sure, she's an accomplished corporate climber, entrepreneur, coach, and speaker. And yes, founder of the Marcy Rader Coaching LLC and the Work Well Play More Institute. And indeed, the best-selling author of two books, Beyond Travel, A Road Warrior's Survival Guide, and Hack the Mobile Lifestyle, Six Steps to Work Well and Play More, and creator of the Work Well, Play More Health and Productivity for High Achievers online course. And yep, regularly featured in lifestyle and training media outlets. Marcy is a huge advocate and fun of healthy, balanced productivity. But more importantly... She might be the most fun friend you and your team ever meet on your journeys to professional greatness. Well, hey, Marcy, thanks for carving out time out of your full schedule to hang out with us for a few minutes today. I am excited to be here. Well, where in the world, first of all, are you? I am in Raleigh, North Carolina, and I live on about one acre in my little paradise, 1,100 square foot house. Good for you. And the time of this recording, we are mere minutes-ish from a total eclipse of the heart, right? That's right. Right. Well, every day is a total eclipse of the heart. Nice. Well, well put. I love my husband. But um, yes, we are getting ready to do our total eclipse of the sun at, uh, in about an hour from now. And do you have clear weather right now? Yeah. It's actually perfect. Stinking well, it's jealous. It's about 100 degrees, but the weather's perfect for the eclipse. Well, it'll be cool when you see the eclipse. That's that's where you'll get your coolness. Yeah, we're uh, cloudier in Chicago, not not a happy camper, but is what it is. So you travel for a living as a professional speaker, but you've not always been on the road as a speaker. So can you give us a little bit of background and perspective, Marcy, of how long you've been on the road and kind of getting to where you are right now? Sure. I started in 2001. Um, traveling in a job that was um, about 80% travel. I traveled 40 to 45 weeks a year. 
Sunday through Thursday or Monday through Friday. And I did that for about six years and then it dropped to about 20 to 25 weeks of travel a year. And so really I've been, I would say a heavy business traveler for about 15 years. And the first two years of starting my business, I didn't travel as much because that's when you're building your business, but I'm back to traveling more again. So how many weeks would you say you're at right now on any given year, the last few years? Um, I probably average one, um, I'd say probably 10 to 15 days of travel a month. Okay. Per month. Okay. So for you, do you have, when you're starting out a trip, Marcy, do you have any first day routines or any type of things that you do consistently when you travel? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, well, the first thing I do is, you know, when I'm leaving the house and it, that day that I'm traveling, I always use a list. I do not ever rely on my memory because anytime I have, I have forgotten something. Imagine how that works. Yeah. And sometimes those things are very important. Um, I also try very hard to not schedule a flight before 9 a.m. to leave because that way I can get in a workout that morning. I never rely on getting somewhere in time to do a workout when I get there. Um, and then that also allows me to not rush so much. After, after you know, 17 years of travel, I still, to this day, if I have to get up early to get a flight, I will not be able to sleep the night before. So, I'm the same way. It's rough. It just jacks you up, doesn't it? Yeah, it's it's like I'm I'm afraid I'm gonna not wake up, even though I naturally wake up early every morning. It, it doesn't uh, it doesn't make sense. But so those are the two big things that I do before I go. And then you know whenever I get somewhere, I always make sure I go for a walk or I do some kind of movement first. Good. Let me ask you why. For one thing, I've been sitting on the plane, and if if I'm in a different time zone then it helps me to get adjusted to that. Um, if I can be outside, uh, that's even better. Um, get a little, you know, taste of my surroundings and get some um, vitamin sunshine with, on, on me. And, uh, you know, it's just getting the, that nervous energy out because when we travel and when we are in a strange place, well, I think travel in general, even when you feel comfortable, the travel experience, there's always this low level of anxiety that we may not recognize because our agenda, we are out of, it is not in our control. You know, that when the plane comes or goes is not in our control. Um, if we have to get an Uber, you know, that's not in our control. If we have to rent a car, we're driving in a strange place. So, you know, we're, we're ner- maybe, you know, just the apprehension about that. Everything is different for the most part. And I feel like even though I think travel is exciting and I actually am a business traveler who likes a lot of it. I like business travel. Yeah. You and me both. We're we're an odd bird. I do. Um, There's still always that, that subtle level of, you know, apprehension. And I feel like the moving and and being outside or just moving in general helps kind of quell that a little bit. 
Well, that's a great tip too, because like you never know. Like you said, just even the drive to the airport, is there going to be traffic? You know, what's the line if you're using just regular or TSA? You know, what's that? Getting in there and is the flight delayed, like you said, or you get in early and then the gate's not open and you're sitting longer. Um, yeah, just all those little variables. That's a great tip on the movement. So what for you, Marcy, what draws energy for you on the road? Draws like brings me energy or something? Brings you energy. Brings me energy. Okay. Um, I love seeing new places. So if I can go to a city that is walkable in any, or a place, doesn't have to be a city, but if it's walkable in any way, I really try to be outside and take a walk. And just as an example, uh, a couple weeks ago, I spoke in Houston, uh, Houston, Texas, and I stayed at this beautiful Weston Hotel, and there was a, um, I think they call it a boardwalk or some kind of a river walk right beside there. And it was so nice because it, was, it wasn't like in a strip mall type of place. It was, you know, I could just walk and it was beautiful. And so that definitely gives me energy. Um, if I'm traveling to another country, I love to talk to local people and find out what they think of America. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, I'm sure that's been amped up in the last few months. <laughs> Tell me what you think of it, you know, and different questions and um, about that. Um, so those things definitely give me energy and trying new foods and new restaurants. That's a good one. Yeah, I love I love to try new foods and restaurants. And if I'm in a place where I'm also meeting other people, um, I, I, I'm an extrovert, so I absolutely get energy from that. I mean, I, I'm an extrovert that needs a lot of privacy, though, but I am an extrovert. Yeah, I'm the same way. What percent would you say extrovert versus introvert for you? I'm mostly extrovert. Um, I read a I read a great description of the difference between an extrovert and an introvert. An extrovert is someone who has to think through their decisions by talking with other people, and an introvert makes their decisions themselves and then they share them with other people. That's good. And that's good. That, I was like, oh, that's totally me. That's totally me. And um, much to my introverted husband's chagrin, that because um, I'm always like you know, giving him uh, or telling him my issues and problems, not really for solutions, but just because I need Vent to it out. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, I, I, I like social, but I like controlled social. So I'm just, I work from home. I like to work out by myself. There's definitely times where it's very much, this is my time. Well, and especially with your profession as a speaker, I think there's an assumption that every speaker is completely extroverted, which is not accurate. And how we draw energy and how we conserve energy, especially if you've got to do meet and greets or you need to do dinners or you need to do um, specific things with the speaking arrangements and how much of a draw that could be for you. So the opposite of that, the antithesis, what drains energy for you while you're on the road, Marcy? If I am speaking in the morning, I will absolutely try to go to bed as early as I can because I know I'm typically not going to sleep that well in a hotel room, no matter what I do. And I am a spokesperson for extended stay America. And I spoke for them a couple of times starting early in the morning. And I told them, I said, if you want me to be on my game tomorrow, I'm skipping dessert and I will leave the party at eight o'clock you know, the night before. And they were fine with that because to me, they're, you know, when anybody's bringing me in to speak in the morning, you know, I have to be in on my A game. 
And so, you know, which starts the night before for you, it starts absolutely the night before for me. Um, so that, that is for one, one for sure, uh, is not getting enough sleep or not being able to get enough sleep because what point? flight came in late or something like that. Um, late dinners drain my energy. Uh, and, um, when you go to conferences or events or sometimes for business dinners, they start so late, you know, the yeah. will start at seven 30 by the time you sit down for dinner, it's eight 30. And that, that's not my normal schedule where I'm, you know, still amped up and talking to people at 10. So that can definitely be a drain on my energy. I would say those two are probably the biggest ones. And those are good ones. What would you say maybe hijacks your energy on the road more than anything else? Is there one thing that's like, but if this happens, this just, just completely sets you off your guard. I don't think mine is any different than most people traveling internationally. And I think it's just because the days are so long. And if I have to do more than one connection, that is really draining for me. Um, that probably, yeah, that would be the biggest. I, I don't, I'm not a real sufferer on the road. <laughs> That's a good word. Yeah, but I think it's because I set my, I try to set myself up for success as much as what's in my control. Good choice of words, within your control. Yeah. And I think, or do you, because I'm going to ask your opinion, have more, do people have more control of their travel than they realize that they do? Do you find that that's a kind of a cop-out answer with there and they've, really, they've nearly not really thought through how much control they could have besides the variables like the plane and traffic and things like that? Yes. I think that most people make more of an excuse than they need to. And when I talk, um, and I think, it, I believe this is also my book, um, I say excuse versus reason. And people will give excuses, but state them as if they are reasons. And we have more reasons, quote unquote, on the road. Of course. At home. Um, and there are definitely things that are out of our control, though. Like when we are, well, here's something that can drain my energy. I'll go back to this is something draining for me. When I can't choose my meal, that is really hard for me. When I am at a dinner that's plated and... There, you know, it's something that I would never eat or can't eat. Maybe, you know, it might be that I can't eat and all I end up eating is like lettuce or something because they don't have any other options. Um, That can be really draining for me. And so, I, you know, I think sometimes people use excuse. um, I treat business travel like a vacation. And by treating it like a vacation, they, you know, and, and they leave their good habits and behaviors at home, it can become more of an excuse. And it's amazing how good or good or bad habits travel with you on the road and oftentimes expose somebody. Isn't that amazing? Expose is a good word. Yes. And, you know, we tend to have different habits on the road. You know, we, we do things that we would never do at home. We do them on the road. When I first started traveling for business, I was never a coffee drinker. And, um, I became addicted and I don't use that word lightly. I really was to Starbucks frappuccinos or mocha lattes. And I used to be a total sugarholic in my last life. And, um, when I, every single day that I traveled, I had to have one of those, but I never drank coffee at home. Never. Interesting. It was your road habit. It was my road habit. It was, 
the first place I went when I went through security in an airport. And every day, because what I did as a monitor in clinical research, it was like kind of like an auditor, I guess, is the closest um, term from in an outside world. You would sit in a room by yourself pretty much all day looking at medical charts. And uh, so, you, and, you know, you didn't sleep well the night before because you traveled or whatever. And you needed that you needed counterfeit energy from all the caffeine and sugar. And I would, I would scope out where the Starbucks or caribou coffee or Pete's or whatever that was. I would scope that out before I went and I could not show up at that site without one, but I never drank it at home. We didn't even own a coffee pot. <laughs> no, no, uh, no contradiction there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So let's, let's dive down a little bit more on, on nutrition. So how, how do you, and over through the years, I mean, this is a two part question. Let me answer this first. You, um, from your book, and we'll talk more about your book, Beyond Travel, which is an awesome book, um, just your health journey. So you went from all of a sudden being diagnosed with some diseases and talking about just how much you were sugar and your assumption of what healthy was. Let's unpack that for a minute. And then I want to kind of circle into how you now choose to have control of what you eat on the road from a, a meal point of view and from a snack point of view. So can we have those two conversations? Sure. So um, I used to be a competitive endurance and ultra endurance racer. And I did um, two Ironmans, my heaviest year of business travel. I've gone to the 30 hour adventure racing, racing championships twice, um, you know, over 100 events. And back then when I was doing that and I was eating the typical triathlete, marathoner, mountain biker diet, which was very high carb, um, a lot of sugar, you know, with the goos and the gels and the sports drinks and the frappuccinos. Yeah. And I also, and I thought that, Hey, I ran, you know, I'm running 50 miles on Saturday. I can drink this frappuccino. And, and, um, so my diet back then was very high sugar, very high carb. And I, I would consider myself back then what I call skinny fat. Nice. Is, you know, I was small, um, but I wasn't lean, even though I was doing Ironmans and, you know, a hundred mile mountain bike races. But, um, it, four years ago, I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's disease, which is an autoimmune disease of the thyroid. And I had also, and, and for several years, I knew something was wrong. We just couldn't get it diagnosed correctly. Basically, I am not the face of Hashimoto's disease. So it was misdiagnosed for a long time because I don't look like someone that would have that. And um, I had been in, I'd went into menopause when I was 36 years old, which is like 20 years early. Yeah, well, how difficult that was, was that, huh? Yeah. And so I had, you know, several problems. And so when, um, I was diagnosed, I completely overhauled my nutrition and, um, and definitely better for it today. I eat a lower sugar diet. Um, I only eat sweets on the weekends. That's my treat. And, um, I went from being a vegetarian who ate a very high carb diet to I do eat meat again as long as I know where it came from or um, that it's not filled with a bunch of junk. And I eat gluten-free, uh, gluten and soy-free because that's better for me with the Hashimoto's disease. And so this is a, a new challenge uh, sure. on the road. It's, 
it's better now than it was four years ago. Oh my God, it was really hard four years ago. Um, now it's getting much easier, but I never leave home without hangry snacks. You know, something that will, you know, in, in case something happens or we get stuck at an airport that has nothing for me, that I still have something healthy to eat. So give me, give me a, a couple of examples of some of your snacks that are your, your staples. Sure. I always travel with um, unsalted nuts, like, um, but portion control. So I don't, I don't just buy a giant bag at the orange grove or at the grove in an airport um, or, or at, at the convenience store in an airport, because I don't know how anybody can eat only one serving out of those bags. So I carry my own like, you know, individual portion control bags. I like to travel with um, tasty bites so they are bags. Um, some of them are lentils, chickpeas. Um, there's some um, eggplant punjab. There's different flavors, and I can you can eat those right out of the bag. Um, and they're anywhere from 200 to 450 calories. And then I'll travel with Wild Planet sardines <laughs> or salmon. Um, and I'll mix those in with some of, you know, like if I can find vegetables or, you know, something at the airport, like, like the, the Asian restaurants that typically just have steamed vegetables on their buffet, I'll get those and then mix them with, you know, something else that I've brought. We'll be right back with the remainder of the interview with Marcy Rader after this short break. Hi, this is Megan Blacksmith of Zesty Ginger, and here is your nutritional energy boost that you could try today. My favorite mid-afternoon energy boost comes in the form of a cranberry chlorophyll and lemon elixir. Instead of reaching for caffeine or sugar that's going to lead to a temporary energy boost, but followed by a crash, you want to fuel yourselves from the inside out with amazing nutrients. Watch your energy rise and stay stable. The key to this concoction is not only you're having a large glass of water, but also adding liquid chlorophyll, which is a super antioxidant, powerful detox agent. Cranberry concentrate and lemon are also both powerful for detoxification. So we're leaving the body with less of a toxic burden that brings down your energy and just add one tablespoon cranberry concentrate, one tablespoon liquid chlorophyll, and a half a lemon to a large glass of water. Most of us are just plain tired. Our pace far outruns our energy, yet we just keep going. We quickly move from busy to beat down to burnout. And sometimes we pull this off by the end of the same day. And it's only Monday. What we need is a reminder there's another way. A kickstart to get us thinking and get us going in the right direction. 5MinuteEnergyKickstart.com offers three five-minute videos on the topics of sleep, nutrition, and fitness movement where a problem is discussed and two energy kickstart challenges are offered. Why? Because we all need a kickstart from time to time. The best part about it is the only thing it'll cost you is a few minutes of your time because the video series is absolutely free. So check out 5MinuteEnergyKickstart.com today. So how do you handle meals? Obviously, it's gotten better in the last few years. When you're going into a restaurant, I mean, obviously, we both actually have a very similar hijacks our energy is when we're more forced to eat a meal that we don't want or, you know, weird times, you know, um, even if it's internationally, there's different time zones and you're used to eating at a certain time and all that. But here in the States, 
when all of a sudden you do have the chance to go into a restaurant, do you prefer to choose the restaurant or how do you handle that interaction with the server or, or the kitchen? How do you, how do you handle that? I try to, if it's, I try to always find out where we're going ahead of time. If somebody else is organizing it and I'll check the menu, see if they have gluten-free options. If they don't, I'll call ahead because I, I really don't like to call attention to myself uh, when it comes to that. And, you know, I try to be discreet when the wait staff comes by and I'll say, you know, do you have anything gluten-free? And um, because I, you know, while I am not ashamed in any way, I also don't want to be that person. Exactly. Yep. You know, that, that is making life miserable for everyone or just... I think sometimes people use those types of things as like badges to call attention to themselves. And it's, it's not a bad, it's not a badge. It's just a, it's just a fact. So, but I also understand that it can be difficult for someone who's ordering food for a group to have to order food for, um, we have a vegan, we have a gluten-free, we have a paleo. Yep. One of those. Yeah. And so I am respectful of their difficulty in trying to find something for everyone. So I try to make it easy for them. I let people know ahead of time, but usually what I'll say is, you know, I do not expect you to order something special for me. However, if you can tell me what you're ordering, I know if I need to bring something else. Now, or bring Good my- way of saying it. Yep, yeah. BYO. Now, never has anybody said, oh yes, please bring your own food. You know, normally they will accommodate and they'll maybe order me a special meal or just make sure it's gluten-free. But by saying it that way, I don't look like the, you know. A diva. Yeah. Or yes, that's actually even a better word. Yep. But I use a great app called Find Me Gluten-Free. Oh, that's good. Yeah. And it um, it's location-based. And I have used this in so many cities. And all you do is you just like open up the app and it tells you the all the restaurants in a certain radius to where you're standing that have gluten-free menus. And then it's rated by people. Like I, I rate everything. Once I, once I put a book out, I started reviewing everything because I understand how important it is. And, um, but, but people will put the reviews of the restaurants in there and they'll say like, this is celiac friendly or this is, you know, gluten sensitive friendly. And, you know, this place says it has a gluten-free menu, but it's only lettuce. Yeah. That type of thing. But that is a great app to travel with. And it's a great tip too. I mean, respecting the restaurant, respecting those we're with, respecting the server. You know, I find oftentimes, Marcy, if I, it just ends up kind of a spare the moment we go to a restaurant and just pulling the server aside so it's not a big table incident and just saying, hey, would you be willing to work with me on this? And most of them, if you ask them in a polite way and, you know, they understand behind it, usually they'll go over and above. Mm-hmm. with that or give them an idea. Hey, it's just, we take this and this and this and this, cause that's something we could do and be happy to take care of you. So no, it's, it's, it's a really good tip. So to go from nutrition to obviously nutrition and energy have a huge correlation. I um, mean, and the foundational one you mentioned was sleep. So you mentioned you have a hard time sleeping probably the first night in a hotel. So how do you determine hotels that you can sleep in or certain sounds or apps or little hacks that you do to make sure as much as you travel, to be able to have a best night of sleep that you can, especially when you've got to speak. Again, I try to set myself up for success as much as possible. So I don't have caffeine after 2 p.m. And I do try to go to bed early. I 
travel with Blu-ray blocking glasses. So if I'm in my room by like eight o'clock or, you know, as soon as I get in my room, I'll put those on. I will, I always travel with a Dream Essentials contoured eye mask. And it's very specific. That is the one that is the only one that I Dream Essentials, mind you, shameless plug. Yes. And, and I do not get paid by them actually. Um, but if you're listening, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but, but nice. what I like about it is it's, it's adjustable and it sits up off of your face. So it's not flat against your eyes. And what's great about it is I've used them on the plane and because it sits up off your face, it doesn't mess up your eye makeup, which I know is a concern of yours, but, um, not anymore, but it's really great, uh, to sleep in. And I also use something called acoustic sleep phones and those look like, it looks like a 1980s headband, sweatband, and the speakers are flat against your ears. So they're not ear, earbuds, because earbuds hurt me, and earplugs hurt me. But um, these sleep phones, the speakers lay flat against your ears, and it has a really long cord, so I can plug it into my phone and keep my phone pretty far away. And then I'm listening to an app called calm.com. C-A-L-M dot C-O-M. And they have different sleep meditations. And then they also have sleep stories, like some bedtime stories for adults. And so I'll listen to that. Um, but And typically I will keep that on all night long because it, I have the background noises like waves or rain or something like that. Because it does not matter how nice the hotel is. There are going to be noises. Um, toilets flushing, plumbing you know, people jumping on the floor, people outside in the hall. Exactly, going by at odd times. Yeah. Um, So those are a couple of things. And then the the temperature in the room, I feel like that's one of the things that is the hardest to control. Even when you think you can control it, like when you can, you know, put an exact temperature, there's still a lot of times on a timer and they will, you will wake up in the middle of the night burning up. Yeah, I, I do that often. Wake up feeling like a fat man, just sweating in the bed when I set it at 66. And all of a sudden, it, I wake up and it's 78. No, it's a, that's a great point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the temperature is, uh, is a big one. And in the hotels that still have the, the, like, um, the window type units or the, that go through the wall, I can't remember what those are called, but where the, the fan Old. on and off. Yes, yes. When the fans go on and off, on and off all night, that, you know, just absolutely wakes, wakes me up. Um, so it, those would probably be the, oh, and any kind of light. So the, the Dream Essentials mask, even if the room is dark, I will still wear that because any light can be disruptive. You just don't, you just don't know that it's disruptive. And for some reason, if, if a curtain is in a hotel, it will not close all the way. Like there's just, they will always stay open a crack and those outside lights will come in. So I travel with binder clips. I do too. Yeah. And I will clip my curtains. Close. That's a great idea. I will put a towel, a roll up a towel and put it at the, at the door. Yep. Yes. And I have great tips. I have a little tiny flashlight if I need it um, to get to the bathroom in the middle of the night or something. But a, another speaker friend of mine, one of her branding things is a, this little tiny flashlight. So I'll travel with that. And if I need it, then that's what I use. 
That's a great idea. And it's just so critical to get a good night of rest. And even the things like you said, Marcy, that we're just even unaware of affecting our sleep. It's like, well, I didn't wake up, but that doesn't necessarily mean you have quality of sleep. So, and I love that priority that you have. So the segue here with coming home, how do you not come home exhausted from traveling, especially for a spouse or kids or those that we love or whatever, and jacking up and hijacking our next couple of days when we get home? How do you personally handle that? Again, I try, well, it's, it's setting myself up for success as much as I can. But I think that the biggest stress coming home is what the hell, for me, and for a lot of females, I, uh, and I say that because this is why I hear from females, not because I'm, I'm projecting um, something, but it's the state of what the house is in when we walk in the door. And so if the state of the house is not good, then my energy is totally sucked away. If I walk in and everything is, is fine, um, then I have the energy to give to my family. Um, that sense of order. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I have a house manager and she comes once a week and last, um, a couple weeks ago when I was in Texas, she had been there that day. I got back on a Thursday and I walked in and my house was perfect my um my vegetables were all chopped because she chops everything in my csa box and i it was just like yay travel is great things are good you know my life is fine and my husband came home i was happy um you know and can compare that to like a decade ago when i would walk in and my um my cat's litter boxes would be overflowing there would be dishes all over the counter the bed would be unmade and, you know, my husband is, you know, to him, he was like, it's not bad, you know, and so we had to have a talk about that. Um, and I think that's just says the man living in it, right? Yeah, it's just something that I think we had, you know, yeah. a lot of couples need to talk about is, you know, this is this is what's hard for me when I walk in the door. And, you know, you'll get the better me. If these things are you know, done. And that's a great point, Marcy, that you said that. I'm really glad you went there because that is a difficult conversation, especially whether it's female coming home to a, to a man or if there's kids involved or a husband coming home and he's trashed from the week ahead or the week that he just had. And so is the wife, you know, all of those are variables that could really, really make a potential rough week for each party, even rougher in that moment or even ugly. So I'm really glad you brought that up, that it's worthwhile having those conversations. If you're saying, you know, I want the best me or for you to have the best me, this is the way that it can be and have that grown up big boy conversation. And uh, that's, a, that's a great example. I gave, um, I talked to a group of travelers once and it was about 50, 50 men and women. And I wasn't trying to cause controversy in the room. I was just asking a question, question. And I asked how many people had kids and most of them raised their hand. And then I asked, um, how many of you before you, and they were all very regular business travelers. And I asked, how many of you before you go on a trip, make sure that any medications are out, um, that outfits are out, you know, for your kids, that, you know, there are lunches or, or, or um, meals that, that you made over the weekend that your family can eat throughout the week, that type of thing. And most of the women raised their hand. And none of the men did. 
Hmm. And, and these are, these were dual working couples, you know, everybody except, um, there were a few single parents in there, but, um, most of them were dual working couples. And a man came up to me afterwards and he said, my wife travels as much as I do. And I never thought about the fact, he said, I totally took it for granted that when she travels, there are frozen dinners, like she's made some kind of stew and for us to eat throughout the week, all my kids' clothes are in outfits. Like he could take the entire outfit out of the closet, you know, and it was ready to go. And he said, I never do anything but walk out the door. Wow. And so, you know, it's, it's, um, I wrote a post about it once and, and, you know, I had some feedback and it's like, you know, this is not, this is not a sex, you know, it's not a sex thing. It's really just to ask yourself the question, do you do as much as your spouse does to prepare to leave? That's a great question. It's a serving question, you know, and it is being thoughtful and selfless. Now, I'm really glad you brought that up. And that's, you know, that's a big area, you know, even with guys and making it all about us when we walk in the door because we're so tired or even, you know, if we've got a spouse that's traveling and, and, and putting in that thought. So Marcia, that's, that's awesome. It's a, it's a great way of stating that. Any closing thoughts that you have or any suggestions you have for us? My number one um, idea that I, that I like to get across when I'm speaking about business travel is that, you know, when you travel for business, it's not part of your job. It's a lifestyle. And when you treat it like you're on vacation, it will catch up to you. You know, if you continue, you know, if you always have late nights or you always eat like, you know, it's a, you know, five course meal or you try to eat your per diem, it will catch up. To well, you get the travel 20, right? Yes, the travel 20. So, you know, picking and choosing, like, you know, if you're out for three nights or four nights, okay, this night I'm going to stay out late. Or, you know, this night I'll, you know, I'll eat like I'm on vacation or something. But you have to have balance to do that. And great word. I love that phrase, looking at it as your lifestyle, because it is just that. And especially for those of us who do it for the long haul. And, I mean, it's easy to eat the best of the king's, you know, dinner and the best of the king's wine, you know, or getting a dessert, which is more than I'd probably pay for my own meal <laughs> sitting in front of you. But realizing, no, in order for me to have, and this is the whole point of this in my last question I bring to you, is the direct correlation between what we do and our energy. So what's at stake for you, Marcy Rader, if you're out on the road and you are not on your game? What's at stake? My whole business is at stake. Because as a professional speaker, uh, I just learned from an NSA conference that 71% of um, speakers are hired by referral. And or from a meeting planner, from a meeting planner. And how do meeting planners know about you? From other people that have seen you speak. And if you do not, are not able to bring your A game, then it will show up. And and you can't you can't um, mask your B game with caffeine and um, stimulants. You you know you you have to you have to be there and be present. And how much does energy have to do with you being on your game? I like to believe I bring a lot of energy to my talks. And so I would say 100%. 
Love it. Well, Marcy, I mean, this has been awesome for me personally because I'm a big follower of your work and a fan of your book. So speaking of that, how can people learn more about you, uh, your resources, obviously your book, Beyond Travel? Sure. So my book, I have two books. The, um, the second one is Beyond Travel, A Road Warrior Survival Guide. And you can find that on Amazon or you can go to beyondtravelbook.com. And then also my website is workwellplaymore.com. And I love the title of that. And I'll make sure that all the, the uh, links are in the show notes as well for us. You just want to be able to click and find it there along with the apps that you had referred. So Marcy, thank you so much for your gracious time and uh, for your experiences and sharing with us, especially for those of us who travel for a living. And how do we look at it as a lifestyle and not just a vacation? And uh, how do we maximize our energy on the road so we can be productive, we can feel more energized, and ultimately we can do our best work. So thank you so much for your time today, Marcy. Thank you for having me. Thanks for making it to this point in the podcast. If you've not subscribed to the Energy Ed podcast just yet or submitted a rate and review, I encourage you to do so right now. It helps us promote the podcast and we truly, truly appreciate it. And as always, we're going to try and do better next time. Go and get your energy edge on today. Today.